healing. Healing is one of the most sought for miracles in ministry. Healing is one of the most sought for miracles in ministry. And so as a fellowship, we believe in the doctrine of healing. Absolutely, we believe in the doctrine of healing. One pastor said these words, said the theology and art of healing is the most needed and most misunderstood in the Christian faith. So think about this, the most sought after miracles, the most needed, but the most misunderstood. When it comes to healing and this issue of healing and miracles, skeptics often ask the question, if there is a God, then why is there so much sickness? How many have ever been confronted with that question? If there is a God, that's a skeptic, a skeptical approach to healing. Why? Because people approach healing from experience. I've experienced sickness or a family member has experienced sickness. And when they prayed or when someone prayed or even when I prayed, they didn't get healed. And especially when it leads unto death, then that's it. Experience has taught me God doesn't heal. God doesn't heal. We're talking about the most needed and most misunderstood. The most sought after miracle in ministry. Well, I want you to answer the question right now for yourself. And the question I'm asking is, do you believe? Not what people have told you. Not what people that may have an influence over you think. Do you believe that God is a healer of every sickness and disease? Do you believe he heals? And in the scripture we're going to look at tonight, Jesus is preaching and he is healing. And the Bible said that there is power present to heal. Tonight, if you are sick in body, this evening, by the end of the sermon, there's going to be an altar established. And I believe power will be present to heal. Absolutely. Like Pastor Campbell, when he preached at conference Monday night, he started his sermon by saying, what I'm about to declare, I absolutely believe with all of my heart. I'm going to tell you right now, what I'm about to declare, I believe with all of my heart. Why? Because I've experienced healing. That's part of it, but that's not all of it. I believe in healing because of what the word of God says. Just as much as it's not an argument to say, I don't believe in healing because I've experienced loss or sickness. That's that we, we can't accept that as a, as a good argument. It's also not a good argument to say, I do believe it because I've experienced it. We build doctrine, belief on the word of God. On the word of God. And so let's, let's look into this here. Uh, Luke chapter five this evening. Luke chapter five. We're going to read verses 15 through 17. And it says these words, however, 
A report went around uh, concerning him, this is Jesus, all the more, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. Verse 17, now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who'd come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. The power of the Lord was present. I want to look tonight at a sermon uh, titled, You Have the Authority to Heal. You have the authority to heal. Let's, Let's set a foundation then. Let's think about the will of God. Pastor Mitchell has often said that the Bible is God's self-revelation. In other words, the Bible declares and teaches us who God is. It's all about God and things God wants you and I to know about Him. So the Bible carries a history of healing. A history of healing. We can see this. The very first mention of healing happens when Abraham prays for Abimelech. Genesis 20 and verse 17. Then Abraham prayed to God and God healed Abimelech and also healed his wife and female slaves so that they bore children. Here, the context of this is a curse of barrenness fell upon Abimelech. He's a king. And a curse of barrenness fell upon them because Abimelech took Sarah, Abraham's wife, uh, uh, into his kingdom. And God said, I don't think so. And here this curse falls upon them. But Abraham, right, all, all gets resolved and Abraham prays for healing. And the Bible tells us he prays to God and God healed. God healed because God is into healing. It is within his will. Secondly, God takes time to identify himself to his people as a healer. Exodus fifteen twenty six. I will put none of these diseases upon you, which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that heals you. This is God again telling us his character, his nature. This is who I am, and this is where we get the, the phrase Jehovah Rapha, God the healer. So this is revelation about his nature. It's within the will of God to heal. Then most of Jesus' recorded ministry actually happens in the arena of healing. Uh, In our scripture, verse 15, And great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed. They came to hear Jesus, but also be healed in their bodies. Verse 17, the power of the Lord was present to heal them. All of this gives us a history, a healing record. 
Paul emphasizes in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 9 about Jesus, I have come to do your will. What was that? Healing. Healing people. Now, healing is a contended dimension. Right? Healing is not automatic. And sometimes healing involves a spiritual battle. Think about Mark chapter 8. Jesus uh, uh, you know, goes to heal a blind man. And as he uh, puts his hands upon him, when he lifts that, he asks him a question. Do you see anything? Do you see anything? And the Bible says the man looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking around. And then the Bible says once again, Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes. You know what that tells us is sometimes healing isn't automatic. But it teaches us that healing is a fight. Just as faith is a fight. Paul tells Timothy, fight the good fight of the faith. And here we see Jesus contending for healing. Contending and fighting for it. We have to remember, we have to remember that sickness is the result of sin. Now that doesn't mean someone is sick because they have sinned. Sickness is the result of sin. It's, it's a way we see the curse of sin working out in lives. Working out in lives. Can I tell you something? Uh, sickness is from hell. Sickness is hell-inspired. Sickness is targeted by hell itself. You have to remember, right? Think of it like uh, uh, weeds in the yard. There's a plant that we know doesn't belong. And sometimes you can remove the plant, but if you do not remove the root, it's going to come back. You have to get past the root. So whatever the sickness is... Whatever that might look like, however it manifests, there's a root and it's sin. The curse at work. In general, the curse on humanity. So we must contend for a healing dimension. Verse 16, it's telling us that uh, uh, people are coming to hear and be healed. And then verse 16 just says, so he withdrew himself to pray. Again, it's a contended Dimension. Jesus understands I have to contend for a healing dimension. Because I'm going to declare, I'm going to preach, people are going to hear, and then there's going to be healing. But I'm contending in prayer. I said this this morning, but Pastor Mitchell again has constantly been been telling uh, pastors uh, all across the fellowship, Christianity in many places is something to be taught and understood. But biblically, Christianity is something to be declared and demonstrated. Declared and demonstrated. This is the pattern biblically. So, healing and contending for it has become a normal in our in our fellowship but that wasn't always the case pastor mitchell realized something that healing is a matter of authority 
It's a contended dimension for authority over. See, there was a time in our fellowship where maybe only two or three evangelists had a healing, quote unquote, healing ministry. But Pastor Mitchell began to realize as he began to look at the word of God, it's not only 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the gifts of healings, but it's a matter of authority and built into salvation. We can have authority over Sickness. Luke 4, 38 through 39. Now he arose from the synagogue and entered Simon's house. But Simon's wife's mother was sick. Yeah, quickly, just a little blurb, just so you have it. Catholics say Peter was the first pope. And he was celibate. Well, this tells us very clearly he had a wife. Moving forward. So his uh, uh, wife's mother was sick with a high fever, and they made a request of him concerning her. So Jesus stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. He rebuked the fever. In other words, sickness is an intelligent creature. Sickness, uh, it, we're not just binding germs tonight. We're not just binding, uh, you know, uh, uh, the metabolic breakdown and the structures under the microscope. Uh, Jesus addresses an intelligent power with a greater authority. I rebuke this fever. He rebuked it. See, what Christianity teaches you and I is that we are involved in a religion of spiritual power. And we get that power through Jesus Christ. It is vicarious power. Vicarious means one paying for another. So because Jesus paid, built into salvation... We all can have the power to heal. We all can have the power to heal. Isaiah 53, by his wounds, we are healed. Repeated in 1 Peter 2.24, by his stripes, his wounds on his back, you are healed. You must understand healing is God's will. And healing is exercising authority over an intelligent power. So let's think secondly about the art of healing. So again, in essence, any believer, new or long-term saint, can see miracle healing through their life. Through their own life. And Jesus taught the disciples the art of healing, and it gives you and I a blueprint. Number one, healing, a healing dimension is contended, uh, I'm sorry, connected to prayer. A healing dimension is connected to prayer. Verse 16, so he often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. So we're thinking here uh, uh, and understanding that part of healing involves a spiritual infilling. We must fill up on God if we're going to be able 
uh, uh, to exercise power. Uh, Matthew 17, 21, Jesus tells the disciples, this kind does not go out except through prayer and fasting. This understanding comes after a failed attempt. And the disciples asked Jesus, why couldn't we do this? Why couldn't we heal? And Jesus connects a prayer life, contending for it, filling up and having something within faith and spiritual power. Healing is connected to a prayer life. James 5.15, and the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. James 5.16, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Again, we're seeing this connection of healing to prayer, contending for it and having something within During the revival in Hobbs, New Mexico, I declared to the congregation Monday night, I'm going to be praying for the sick tomorrow night. Bring the sick to service. I'll tell you, I woke up Tuesday with a headache. And whatever, I don't think much about it. Uh, You know, uh, uh, too many tacos the night before, whatever, you know. And, uh, and so, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, go to, we go to prayer, we, you know, fill the day, etc. But by about three o'clock, it's full on migraine. I have the, sh- the, the window closed completely dark. I'm, I'm laying there massaging my head. It's in pain. I'm downing water. And uh, I text my wife, pray for me. I, I am sick. I am nauseous. I am dizzy. And I'm contending, I, I know I'm going to be praying for the sick. You know, that night we had 13 notable healings. Notable healings because I'm contending. And I recognize hell wants to assault and I'm praying. And actually I prayed over my mind uh, uh, in the in the altar service. I made an appeal for migraine headaches. Uh, numbers of people came up. Three had pain all day that left immediately. Me, immediately and my pain left also. And so here, it's a contended dimension connected to prayer. Secondly, healing is a dimension connected to greater authority. Again, Jesus released an authority to his disciples. In Mark chapter 16 and verse 20, And they went out and preached everywhere, while the Lord worked with them, and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. Here is miracles of healing connected to a greater authority. What is that? The Lord worked with them. Luke 9, 1. One day Jesus called together his 12 disciples and gave them power and authority to cast out all demons and heal all diseases. I'm going to say something tonight. Jesus... Okay, I'm, let, me, let me say that again. I want you to say something with me tonight. Jesus heals all diseases. Right? He, he heals all diseases. And he commissioned them. Go and heal all diseases. Why? 
Because you have a greater authority. Luke 10 and verse 20, Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. This is incredible revelation tonight. The disciples are excited. Man, Jesus, we were healing the sick. We were healing the infirmed in the name of Jesus. Even demons... Even demons fled. Man, they're excited. And Jesus says these words. Don't be just excited that the demons obey you, but understand why they obey you. Because your name is known in heaven. Ask you something. Is your name known in heaven? It should be. If you're saved, it should be. As I said, every believer has authority. Every believer has authority. If your name is in heaven, it's backed by a greater authority. So every believer doctrinally has the authority to remove spiritual issues. In this case, remove sickness. Remove sickness. Acts 19.15 details the consequences of missing The authority. Acts 19.50 says, But the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, Paul I recognize, but who are you? And the man in whom was an evil spirit leapt on them, mastered all of them, and overpowered them, so they fled out of the house naked and wounded. They got jacked up by demon. That's what happened is here they go and they see it. Money can be made. And they go, I I think I remember them saying, in the name of Jesus. And they go uh, to this infirmed, sick, and demon-possessed man and said, in the name of Jesus that Paul prophesies of and speaks of, be gone. And demon just kind of chills there, this demon-possessed man, and says, you know, Jesus I know. I know that name. You know, Paul, I've seen his work, and I know that name. I don't know who you seven bros think you are, but I'm about to show you who you are. Nobodies. Right? Because their names were not backed by the greater authority. If you are saved, your name is backed by a greater authority. You have authority to heal. You have authority to cast out demons. You have it. You have that authority. So let's think about the dynamics of acting on healing. The dynamics. We've talked about the art, right? The, the contending, etc. All those that we looked at. Now the dynamics. There's a point of contact. Applying the authority. And exercising faith. So let's think about the point of contact. There is not just one way that someone gets healed. And I tell you, that's very good for us. Because if it was one way, man, we would figure it out. But the Bible shows us numbers of ways that someone gets healed. And in that, there's various points of contact. Luke 4 and verse 40. Now when the sun was setting, right? Now, oh, well, healing only happens at the setting of the sun. Nope. But 
They're just letting us know what's happening. At the setting of the sun, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. We believe in this term, the laying on of hands. It simply means we we touch their forehead. Right? Some guys give the good smack. You know, whoa, okay. Right? My pastor gives the, the light. One doesn't want to mess up anyone's hair, you know, uh, you know, whatever the case. But there's a point of contact. We believe on the laying of hands. But how do you know that's not the only way to heal? That's not the only way of healing because we also read of Jesus breathing on people. We also read of Jesus spitting on people. How would you like to be that guy? You need healing? Come here. <laughs> right? We also read about Jesus uh, 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 putting his fingers into the ears of the deaf. Those are What those are are simply points of contact. Points of contact. Think about Acts 5.15. So that they carried out the sick and laid them into the streets and laid them on cots and mats. That as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. A shadow of healing. That's a, a, a an incredible idea, but it's a point of contact. Luke chapter 8. The woman with the issue of blood said, if I can just touch... The corners of his garment, a point of contact. The crowds, the Bible says, they came and they're pressing against him. And if I can just touch Jesus, he's not reaching out and touching him. If I can just touch him, it's a point of contact. It's a point of contact. The point is this. We need to somehow come in contact with the greater authority. However that is. Smith Wigglesworth Gave some good punches, some good jabs, punted some babies. Uh, you know, uh, unique. But it was a point of contact. Secondly, then, is applying the authority. In Matthew chapter 8, a Roman centurion comes to Jesus and asks for the healing of his servant. And Jesus said, I'll go to the house and, and, and lay hands. And the centurion said, you don't even have to come to my house. Just say the word. In other words, he understood you have authority. And he tells him, I'm a man of authority. I don't have to go. All I have to do is say the word and things get done. That's what you are, Jesus. You're a man of authority. The authority of heaven. All you have to do is speak. So authority is released is released. I've prayed for people over the phone who have gotten healed. The point of contact is a signal. There's no power in Apple. It's just a signal. And the authority released is able to travel. Because we live in a spiritual realm and in a realm of authority. John 6.63, my words are spirit and life. Thirdly then is you have to exercise faith. You have to exercise your faith. You have to act in faith for the miraculous. 
right? Faith simply means I'm going to take God at his word. I'm going to believe that he is a healer. I'm choosing that. Point of contact, applying the authority, then acting on your faith. Jesus told the stroke victim before he was healed, stretch out your hand. Nothing happened yet. He's, he's uh, weak and, and that part of his body is broken, but stretch out your hand. You know, he had to act in faith. He had to act in faith. He told the paralytic, rise up and walk. He's been paralyzed, his legs, the Bible says he has a condition, perhaps his feet are twisted and contorted and he's sitting. Rise up and walk. Nothing happened yet until he acted on faith. And I wonder if it was a struggle at first, but then God began to realign. God began to do the miracle as he acted in faith. He told another paralytic, take up your bed and walk. He's laying, get up, take that thing up and go. He had to act in faith. He told the ten lepers, go show yourself to the priest. Think about that. Leprosy, this horrible disease on the body and skin. But the miracle didn't happen. You're healed. He said, go show yourself. And they begin, it's on the way as they're acting in faith. I'm going to be healed when I get there. All of these are before the miracle. They had to exercise faith. Pastor Mitchell got revelation of this when he prayed for a pastor friend. He said they were guest speaking uh, uh, in another city and, and there's, a, there's about three of them there. And this man comes down with a horrible back pain. Hor- he's like, I don't know what happened. I pulled a muscle, something, and he's he's in pain. And they pray for him. Pastor Mitchell, two of the other leaders, pray for him. Nothing happens. Prayed for him. Nothing happens. Prayed for him a third time. Nothing happened. And Pastor Mitchell said, exercise your faith. Begin to move it around. And as he did, that's when the healing happened. It's acting on your faith. There's some people, they don't act on faith. They're waiting. They're waiting. Okay, test it. Nothing happened. Well, test it. Yeah, but nothing happened. But exercise faith. Exercise your faith. Get it working. This is healing. So let's close this thing about power present. Verse 17, the power of the Lord was present to heal. Truth declared and power was demonstrated. So, in our story, people are gathered in faith and something supernatural takes place. Tonight, we are gathered and my hope is I've established an atmosphere of faith so we can see uh, power demonstrated. Matthew 18 uh, and verse 20 says, For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. Well, there's more than two or three here tonight. Uh, and God is gathered. Luke twelve thirty two. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. The kingdom carries the idea of a dominion. 
a ruling authority. God is delighted to give us the power to heal. Then thirdly here, as Pastor Mitchell has said, healing is God's advertising program. Luke 6, 18, they came to hear him and be healed of their diseases. You know, a reference point for me in ministry is the revival when Pastor Artie Aragon came to Rochester. And it was amazing to me the healing services after every service. Because people came to hear and be healed. That, that was such a unique dynamic. Well, you know what? God wants to do that always. Always. God is able. This is his advertising program. So tonight, this altar is prepared for healing. And I've declared so that we can see God. We can't see God physically, but we can see God in healing. Pastor Montoya is talking to him about this sermon. And he said, Pastor Mitchell and Gallup was saying the same things, telling us these same things. And he said, I had come home and I'm thinking about authority over these intelligent powers. And he said, a woman came to his, to him and uh, her and her husband, they had had a daughter. She was, she did not sleep normal from birth. From birth, she had uh, uh, issues with breathing at night, with laying down and sleeping. Young girl, maybe maybe six or seven at this point, uh, maybe a little older. But nonetheless, the mom came up and said, the doctors are saying she has to have surgery. They've not slept a normal night's rest since this young girl was born. Dealing with this, dealing with this. Uh, they're unable to sleep. Uh, and Pastor Antoine is listening to this and he's watching this little girl p- play with the kids. Uh, and she said, you know, she snores at night very, very loud because things are messed up. Uh, she's choking and gagging uh, in her sleep and we have to p- reposition her. And they're up constantly. Uh, and as he's listening and as he's watching her, he said, go get her. Because right now I'm just mad. I'm ticked off. This isn't right. This is unacceptable. And I refuse to tolerate this. And so he grabbed uh, the young girl and he said, I prayed over her and I spoke. I said, you foul demon, you leave her alone. You have no right. And he said, he laid hands and he told mom, he said, tonight's going to be the night she sleeps the best from this night forward. He said, Mom, oh, thank you. That's one pastor. Ay, que loco. <laughs> but that next morning, she said, my husband told me I needed to call you immediately. Our daughter slept peacefully, quietly, all night. We were up checking on her, making sure she was okay. He said, from that night forward, she has slept. Know why? Because we have authority. Because we have authority. I don't tell you that because experience has taught me that God heals. I tell you that because it only confirms the declared message. God's word is confirmed. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed tonight. Amen. We're going to pray for the sick here in a moment. But before we pray for the sick and pray for physical healing... 
I want to pray and, and agree with you for spiritual healing. You're here tonight. Perhaps your heart is not right with God. Your sins, they are not forgiven. You are not on your way to heaven. You have not uh, uh, been forgiven. They're, you're bound by guilt and shame. You're bound by addictions. You live unrighteous lifestyles. You pursue unrighteous things. Your habits and your cravings and your desires are not for the things of God, but for the things of the world. For things of sin. You're full of rebellion and hatred and bitterness and unforgiveness. I'm going to tell you something. God wants to heal you. God wants to change you. God has a wonderful plan for your life. And it's not that he doesn't want to help you. It's that he has to be invited. He has to be invited. And we invite God by repentance. Repent means to turn away from sin and turn to God. Repent again means I agree with God that I am a sinner and I need his help, his forgiveness. I need his blood to wash me, change me, make me a new person. Tonight, this is available for you, for every person in this place. You can experience the healing of the heart, the forgiveness of sin the spiritual healing that every person needs. I don't care where you were born, where you come from, what your background is. I don't care what you've done that you think is horrible or what you think you haven't done. Jesus wants to forgive you. We all need a Messiah. We all needed forgiveness. And God's answer was a person, the person of Jesus Christ. God in person form died for you, died for you so that you can be reconciled to God. That means so you can even access God in your sinful state and he'll save you from what? Eternal judgment, eternal separation from God. He wants to save and change you. And I wonder while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, you say, Pastor, I'm not saved. I'm not born again, but I want to be tonight. Lift your hand quickly, quickly. I want you to lift your hand. You are not saved. You're not born again. I'm not talking about being religious. Oh, but I believe. Well, the demons believe. I'm talking about surrender. Surrender to the will and the authority of God. Letting Him change not just what you do, but what you want to do. Letting Him change your entire life to live godly and righteous. Joy inexpressible. Peace that surpasses understanding. Forgiveness of sin. How many would there be? You want that tonight. Lift it high where I can see at your hand. Pastor, I want to pray tonight. I want to invite Jesus. Maybe you're backslidden. At one time you knew the love of God, but right now you are far from God. I want to pray for you tonight. How many would there be unsaved or backslidden?